Yo, welcome to So You Wanna Be An Artist, the only podcast that's for the artists, by the artists, each and every goddamn week. I guess this week, Aishat can be. Round of applause for Aishat. Thank you for having me, Ken. You're supposed to clap yourself. Oh, I'm, I'm clapping for myself, okay. Self-love and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, self-love, self-love is a, is a good thing. <laughs> Aishat, tell me what you do. Okay, so I... I work as a stylist um that's the job i would say that i'm most known for but overall i guess i'm i'm an artist i just do whatever i feel to do you know i'm a creative person i like to write uh, i like music um i like to think you know i'm yeah i just i get up to to whatever really whatever my my heart feels to do at the time do you like to think yeah, well, I don't know. Do I like to think? I, I often wish there was a way to escape the mind sometimes. Um, but no, overall, I do enjoy thinking. I think um, an unexamined life isn't worth living for me anyway. Said Plato. Yes, said Plato, yeah. <laughs> First question that I ask every single guest that comes on this podcast. Mm. What is art? What is art? I had a feeling that you might ask this, and I was thinking about it on the way here. I was thinking, so what is art, you know? And I probably... I probably have said a definition in, in many ways um, in other places, but I don't know. I always I always feel differently depending on certain days. I don't know. I think art is is honest expression. I think any type of honest expression is art. So that could be a conversation. I've been in so many conversations that I would consider art. Um, that can be a piece of writing. It could be a phone call. I don't know. There are so many things that are art. We are art as well. I think it's any form of honest expression, honestly. Bouncing off of the idea that we are art, what mm. makes you the artist that you are? Um, what makes me the artist? I think coming to an acceptance of yourself, you know, me coming to an acceptance of myself, I think that has helped um, me develop as an artist. You know, it's helped me hone in on my position and my, my purpose in the world and, and what I want my output to be. Um, what is your purpose? My purpose, uh, again, I, I come back to the same thing. I think it's to, to live in truth, to live honestly and to to pass what I learn um, while I'm here to, to anybody that it can help or resonate with. Um, so to share stories really and truly, to share honest stories is, is my purpose. When you get a phone call that says, hey, we want you to come and style our artists, mm -hmm. what's the first thing that runs through your mind? Um, the first thing that runs through my mind is um, I often like to think about what type of music it is. You know, I'm, I'm often interested in the music. I always want to hear the music before I want to see the person. Um, and maybe that's the opposite way to work. But I think the music always dictates the inspiration and and yeah, a lot of my ideas. Um, so it's the music, music first and foremost. And, and from the music, I can generally gauge uh, some type of um, picture about what that artist is like. What kind of philosophies are you trying to put into the way that you style people? Um, what are you trying to tell the world? Uh, obviously, fashion kind of dictates a lot about personality. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that you're dressing other people, obviously, you're trying to bring out their personality and embellish who they are as mm. well. But also at the same time, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, you're telling a message as well. Yeah. Um... I think, 
you know, I, I understand that perception is a, a majorly important thing. A perception and the psychology surrounding perception is what drove me to be a stylist. Uh, I realized when I started presenting myself in a way that maybe people didn't expect a, a young black woman to present herself. I realized that it got me a lot of attention and, and people were willing to give me opportunities that they may not have if I had been in different clothing. Um, and so when I'm... What do, you, what do you mean by that? I don't just know. before you answer that question, mm. I'm just going to move your microphone a bit. Okay, cool. Ooh. Okay, sorry, maybe I need to speak up a little bit. It's not about speaking up, I just want to make sure. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, what I mean is that I've, you know, I'm quite androgynous in style. You know, anything I wear, a guy could wear it, a girl could wear it. Uh, in terms of gender, I'm, I'm quite fluid in that way. Um, and I think that may have been interesting to people because I look so much younger than I am. I'm 27 and I've looked 14 forever. <laughs> <laughs> is that a curse or a blessing? Oh, it's a blessing indeed. Yeah, of course it it's is. It's definitely a blessing. I'm out here looking like I'm 29, oh, I'm only 23. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've always looked quite young. And so I think uh, people didn't expect uh, me to... I don't think people would expect someone to be quite... Uh, quite as confident in their sexuality and in, um, yeah, and in their femininity, I guess, in order to go against the grain of what typical femininity is, I, I guess it suggests something about yourself, some type of comfortability anyway, because you're, you're going against what the world says is what a woman is. Um, so I think, I think that gave me um, interest, I think that interested a few people uh, in my story and it just made people think I was an artist before maybe I even recognized that I might have mm. been one. Um, and it was from there, you know, people just always ask me, what do you do? Like, what is it that you do away from your job? And, and that really got me thinking, what, what is it that I do? Um, and it was from there, I thought, wow, if people can want to give me opportunities, based off of me dressing myself differently. Imagine giving this to everybody. Imagine making everyone feel as though, I don't know, their clothes made them comfortable enough to go out and, and do their best at whatever their art is. Uh, and that's where my sort of love and, and drive for styling comes from. So if, something you might actually be able to clarify for mm. me, because I mean, I'm not the smartest of people and sometimes oh. the unisex clothing stuff that's happening at the mm -hmm. moment, Maybe it's just because all, all I've seen, everything seems to be really masculine. Mm -hmm. So it's like Zara put out a uh, unisex thing mm -hmm. and it seemed, it was just straight cut t-shirts, straight cut shorts or trousers or whatever. Okay. And I was just kind of thinking, isn't all clothing unisex anyway? Like just yeah. because it's in, just because it may be downstairs in the women's section, doesn't mean that me as a man can't yeah. just go and grab something anyway. Exactly. And also the other thing that I was thinking is, is that, some like women have boobs mm -hmm. so they have to be do t-shirts have to be made um, to accustom to that uh i i guess on i guess it depends on the cut of the t-shirt um but yeah you're right i think all clothing isn't gender specific to me you know gender for me anyway is a complete construction sex is something that's a biological determinant but gender um that's a society um yeah that's a societal construction um and so just just because it's in the women's or the men's section i don't think that should dictate um whether someone can go there um basically but, what i'm trying to say is that if i wanted to squeeze into a pencil skirt yeah I would do it regardless of whether it's I in think the so, women's yeah, section. I think so, yeah, do your thing, like 100%. <laughs> I love to see that. I love to see people just, especially when it comes to gender, like completely 
defying the norms. Um, I'm quite into Jaden Smith at the moment because I think he's a, a young man who's got a lot of popularity, you know, and I think for someone like him to be so young and, and you know, and pushing that message quite strongly, I think that's really brave. How do you feel about him being in the Louis Vuitton campaign? Um, I don't feel any way. Um, I don't know if I feel like it's a massive act of um, gender boundary pushing or if it's, you know, a case of, if I'm honest, like he would have pay been paid a lot to do a campaign like that. Um, do you think it's taken away opportunities from women? Um, do you think that the uh, awareness that he's raising is greater than the opportunity that he's taking away from another woman? Um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think the, the conversation, um, I think is, is more important than, yeah, I think the conversation is an important one to have. Um, and I think there is uh, a lot of space for, for women to, you know, I don't think Jaden is particularly trying to muscle in on, on the modeling industry. I, you know, I don't think he's trying to be, a, um, a male female model in that sense you know so i don't think he is necessarily taking away opportunities but i think it's an important conversation so yeah jaden smith's a pretty he's a pretty like left artist and yeah, he really, really feels like he lives his truth as well mm -hmm. did you see the article the other day that the time published okay no i don't think i did and they said why will and jaden smith are shit parents oh that's really really harsh why I mean, do you think that we uh, the western mindset is that if your child wants to wear women's clothes or if they want to make music mm -hmm. and one of the critiques that they said was oh of course will and jaden smith would raise a child that would say and to quote jaden smith i don't hear any music that i like so i make my own and i listen to it yeah for enjoyment mm -hmm. why do we why do you think that we live in a society where that is deemed as a negative i uh, i think we're very afraid of people who know who they are um <laughs> I think that is a very scary concept to us, and I think we're very afraid of freedom. Um, I think freedom is something that is, some, is often romanticized, but the reality of freedom is very scary to a lot of people, and it's something that a lot of minds can't comprehend. You know, we this have mental freedom, right? Yeah, mental freedom, and and just freedom, even in a physical sense, to do as you want, to dress how you want, to like what you want. Um, and so, for Jaden Smith to say that he doesn't like anything, that's a that's his honest truth. But I think the problem arises when that makes people feel like, well, are you saying I'm an idiot for liking it? Are you saying that I'm small-minded? And I think it's people's insecurities within themselves that really reacts, you know, quite oddly to other people's differences, you know? So I think it says a lot more about us, you know, that Times article says a lot more about their values than it does about um, Will and, and, and Jada um, raising their children. Um, I think it shows a really, dated, um, primitive <laughs> mindset, personally. It's, uh, prim I think primitive sometimes can be a compliment. Primitive like, I think can be a compliment. Oh my I think God, primitive yeah. really is like, actually is the way that the, yeah. the, the narrative is going at the moment. Like primitive is to have a, a fluid gender because yeah. back in primal times, everyone would have long exactly. hair and shit. Like, so no, primitive is a con I mean a compliment, and it's been it's been a word that I've been I've been using a lot recently because I think a lot of the things that we don't like what other people do, generally it's just you know because everything 
that society is and everything that our world is kind of goes against our primitive nature you know it's kind of taking us away from our natural instincts you mm. know if we were to think of ourselves as animals and so anything anytime something happens that we don't like it's often just our primitive nature just you know just creeping out just saying hey like i'm here you know it's just it's i don't know i feel like it's uh, our essence you know um but maybe when i say primitive in that sense i just mean at the same time um primitive in the sense where it's it's oh, like kind of you like are you still a caveman yeah yeah like do you exactly. really still think with like yeah rocks for yeah brains? i think i think it's it's more that that i mean but then you think about that fred flintstone actually wore a dress he did he did and indeed. He, did. he wore like a rock necklace as exactly. well. Exactly, and I, I believe he's quite a masculine man. He was yeah, very, he was very you know, masculine. Okay, Him cool. and Barney. Yeah, yeah. You know, they I might have been so. knuckleheads. They, exactly. they did wear dresses. I mean, and the whole thing about dresses. I mean, African men wear dresses, and and you couldn't tell them that they were feminine in any way. You know, <laughs> like so. It's it, it depends on where you're from. You know. Hmm. Are you? Do you try to play with gender when you dress men? Um, if I get the opportunity with the right client, um, yes, uh, I think so. Labyrinth, uh, in specific, um, as much as he's not wearing skirts, I think, you know, we were very, we were very daring with our color choices, you know, and he often wore things that weren't deemed as the epitome of masculinity and he was never afraid to push that boundary. And I, uh, that's something that I really enjoy working with him for, um, so yeah, I'd say so with him. And it's been something that we've both kind of grown to kind of become comfortable with. I remember in the beginning when I started styling him and I would bring things that were slightly effeminate, you know, even if I liked it, I'd always have that reservation about what other people might think. I never wanted him to end up on any bad dress list or yeah. I didn't want to see any comments where people were asking him if he was gay and I didn't know how that would make him feel. Um, but he's, you know, he's a true artist labyrinth. So, you know, he's he's just himself. I don't think he cares about all that kind of stuff. So it's easy for him to do. I saw you tweet the other day that weird is one of the worst or one of the worst things that you can call someone. Yeah, I think so. Well, it's, it's it depends on where your mindset is. I think if you if you understand weird to be wonderful and to be a, a true representation of someone's unique character, um, then it's a massive compliment. But if weird to you is that uncomfortable, strange thing that you don't understand, I think to call someone weird when they do something that maybe you wouldn't do, I think that is really a cruel thing to do because um, most of the time, a lot of people have a lot of insecurities and not, they're not sure about themselves. So for someone to be comfortable enough to be exactly who they are and for someone else to call it weird, you can make that person retract, you know, and, and start to suppress, you know, something that's really true to them. Um, yeah, and I just think it's, it's just an unkind thing to do. I think weird is, yeah, depending on where you're at with that word. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's a touchy one. Um, a couple of episodes ago, mm -hmm. I started... Oh, it's Danae, actually. The okay, Danae episode. Cool. Um, that one was entitled Embrace Your Weird. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was basically like I just did some research. When I say research. I, I, do, I Googled. I did one <laughs> okay. Google. I didn't open no books or nothing. Mm -hmm. But the word weird is derived from like the Latin word word. Mm -hmm. And what that word represented was somebody who was in control of their destiny. Why? Wow. So weird, weird actually is the, def the dictionary definition or the um, the derivative mm -hmm. means 
someone who's in control of their destiny. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense to me. After that, I was like, oh shit, weird is the biggest compliment that anyone can pay you. 100%. And then when you actually really think about society, Mm -hmm. anyone who is deemed to be weird is actually anyone who's in control. And it's like, you know what? Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I don't believe in none of this shit. I'm going to do what I want to do. 100%. Everyone we deem a genius past and present has been... Outwardly eccentric and what some people would deem weird, you know. I think it's a compliment. I embrace it, but you know, just because I know it's not something that's universally championed, you know, and it's not something, it's not a term that everybody feels comfortable with. Um, So I think if you are going to call someone weird as a compliment, um, maybe elaborate on that, (laughs) you know, just just so they know it's not the other side, you know. I usually say it. You're so weird. I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Always hitting with that one. Yeah. When you started styling, was mm-hmm. there ever like a thing in the back of your head that you where you was like, oh, I don't really think people are going to understand. Like you said, you dressed like a androgynous. Mm-hmm. And was there like a worry in the back of your head that you people weren't going to really understand? Um. Uh, no, I don't think there was. No, actually, that's interesting. I, I don't think there was because I think my difference was always quite celebrated and I think that made me comfortable when I think living in a place like London, I'm from Southampton originally, uh, which is a small town, you know, in Hampshire and the mindset isn't as broad, you know, there aren't as many interesting or quirky types there. Um, and so I stood out like a sore thumb there. And, but coming to London, you know, I was very much, re- everything that was different about me was really embraced and, and that's probably why fashion was the first creative hub that I felt at home in um, because I could express myself in a way that I felt comfortable with and nobody really found it weird if anything people were interested in it what was your mindset can you remember how you used to think or some of the things that you used to think about when you was living and growing up in Southampton Mm, I just didn't really understand a lot to be fair and I still don't if I'm honest like there's there's a lot that I just didn't understand I, I didn't understand why I had to dress a certain way or I didn't understand why if I was going out with my friends and they would call me and ask me what I was wearing like I didn't understand why people were so hostile to to gay people I didn't understand a lot of things in Southampton um, and I don't think I was ever making really, really informed decisions when I lived there about what I was doing with my life. But I think I very much paid attention subconsciously just to my, just to my energy and how I felt around certain people and how I felt wearing certain things. And if I didn't feel comfortable, I just didn't do it without much thought, to be honest. Um, I guess there's a part of me, I'm a Leo and I'm not massively into star signs. Big up the Leos. Yeah, yeah, you a Leo? Okay, Leo crew. Um, Although I'm not massively into star signs, you know, I I do know that my star sign says that uh, we do like attention apparently. Apparently we are attention seekers. (laughs) Um, And so maybe there was a part of that where I liked feeling different. I liked people being interested in me because, you know, and not for the things that people would typically be interested in. You know, it wasn't for any skin that I was showing. It wasn't for anything um, overtly sexual, you know. It was because people were interested to get to know me as a character. Mm. And now we both have a pretty similar stance on London. Yeah. (laughs) But coming to London kind of gave you that freedom away from that at the same time. So it's like... 
what 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 role or what position does does London play in your life? Um, London uh, represents. Um, it was a it was a moment. London was a moment. London was part of a process in, in me discovering myself, an integral part of that process. I would say, um, I definitely needed it. Whether I need it now, still, I'm not so sure. Verging on no. Um, <laughs> but it were for the time. In order for me to feel comfortable with who I was, to connect with certain people, to find the career that I'm now in, um, it was yeah, it was paramount. Uh, but I've got to this place now where, you know, I'm a, a bit politically more savvy than I was when I was 18, when I first moved here. Uh, and I care about certain things that I didn't care about at the time that I moved as well. Um, like what? Things that are going on in the world, um, you know, politics, you know, race, you know. A lot of the conversation, you know, I'm interested in. I'm interested in um, life and the quality of life, you know. And I just feel in London, I'm mugging myself off. <laughs> I think everyone's mugging themselves off, to be honest. Um, but I definitely am. And maybe that's comfortable for other people. I don't know what other people's financial position is. But for me, regardless of actually wherever my financial position is, I just don't want to live somewhere that is just exploitive. I can't afford to romanticize that anymore. It's exploiting um, people and it's not fair. Um, I just finished reading The Hunger Games. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, this is just like, this is just gentrification. <laughs> you know, like it just didn't feel any different to me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hope soon enough, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think about my next steps and where I want to go from here. But yeah, I think I may have outgrown London uh, as beautiful as it is. If not London, what? If not London, you know, well, the, the dream, of course, is to do the whole off the grid thing and live off the land and, you know, have a farm and have some animals that aren't my pets, but maybe I'm I'm the caretaker. I like to think of it like that, you know, so I don't own them. They're free. They get to do what they like. I just facilitate, you know, their their happiness and everything that they need. Um, but yeah, that's the dream, I guess, long term. But aside from that, I, I don't really know. I, I don't really like the idea of living in a city. I don't want to live in a city for too long. Um, so I'd, I'd hope to live somewhere that wasn't a city and where I could maybe easily have enough access to come into whatever city and, and do work and, and go back, you know, and go in, into my, my little cave or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, somewhere quiet, I think. It does feel like the be all or end all though. Sometimes if you're not in London, you're just so disconnected. Or... Yeah. And then you look at like social media or something and yeah. you're like, oh shit, that person's in town. Yeah. Like, oh, I should have been like connecting with them or something. And you just feel a million miles away, even though you could be like two hours away in Bournemouth or Southampton or whatever, mm -hmm. you just feel like a million miles away from yeah. it. So it's just kind of so hard to see like a life without a major city. 100%. And, and the, it feels like the city knows that. Everyone yeah. in the city knows that. And that's why it's so exploitative. It is, it's a, it's a tough one. Cause I live in Croydon and even that can feel like I'm disconnected <laughs> from London sometimes. And I, I do see it on social media. I'm not someone who actually does go out much. I don't really go to industry events. Mm. And, um, and I do have that conflict within myself sometimes. And I'll go on Instagram and I'll see what other people are at and I'll be like, is this what I'm meant to do? You know, is this the is this my ladder to success? Um, and I just really have to check myself in those moments. I'm honest with myself. I let myself feel the emotion. So whether that be jealousy, whether that be envy, or whether that be insecurity, I accept that. 
but I have to try and inspect it at the same time. And I have to question myself and I have to understand what is it that I want from this world? What is it that I want from this career? Am I here to to rub shoulders with people? Am I here to get famous friends? Or am I here to try and make art that makes a difference? And, and when I ask myself that question, you know, not going to certain parties or not being around certain people doesn't feel so bad anymore. Um, makes as much of a statement. Yeah, it as- does as going it does i think so i think you can't complain about an industry so much and then do everything to feed it you know and i used to be that person who was so angry and had so much angst for everything honestly anything and everything (laughs) the industry i'm there now (laughs) well really no i can imagine i mean it's so easy to get there and i had it for honestly everything religion you know the industry um racism um capitalism everything and then i just thought you know i could stay here be angry and and it takes so much energy and it's so draining and i would have all these debates with people where i'd be constantly trying to change their minds and then i thought you know what i don't it's not my job it's not my job to make anyone understand anything they're unwilling to consider it's not my job at all and because you know the my perception on life is i don't know it sounds a bit nihilistic but i don't know i don't I don't prescribe a meaning to it necessarily, you know, that meaning is up to whoever, you know, so maybe capitalism is for you. And maybe this music that I really think is shit actually really serves you a purpose. So fuck it. Well, that's interesting because you're at the moment transitioning into a DJ or adding yeah. DJ to your yeah, adding arsenal DJ to what of I do. Yeah, yeah. How difficult is it to go out and play music that we all know is shit. Yeah, yeah. And especially you as a thinker and someone who's mm. inside of your head a lot. And yeah. you know that I have to play these tunes that I don't like to yeah. watch people dance to it uh-huh. and then kind of stand from outside the decks and look at them and be like, huh? Like, yeah. is that difficult for you to to do that? It, it is difficult. And at the moment, I'm just, at the moment I'm practicing. So any, any gig that I do, you know, it's just me kind of like finding my feet and, and just having a little bit of fun. And, and what I'm doing is I'm taking myself out of it. And I'm, I'm just the channel or the vessel that is allowing people to have fun and allowing people to feel good. And when I look to at escape. it- Yeah, and when I, yeah, when I look at it from that perspective, I'm just facilitating people feeling good, then it's a lot more manageable, but then, yeah, at the same time, I would. I remember the first time, like, I, I played out somewhere and I, I was playing all these hip hop songs that, like, say nigger a lot. And then I was like, you know, that's not a word that I say. It's not a word that I use just because, I don't know, it's unnecessary. It's not, yeah, it's just unnecessary, I think. Um, but then I thought to myself, wow, I've got, to, I've got to watch all these people of different races say this word back to me. How do you feel, Aisha? And. I don't know, there was, I, I I still don't really know how I feel, but I don't think it's something that I want to do, you know, actually. I think there's more than enough DJs who are happy to play the stuff that everyone likes and they are always going to be popular and they're always going to be people who are constantly in work and there are people who need that. But I don't think it's something I really have to do, actually. I think 
what I can do as a DJ. And what I think maybe the function of a DJ is too, is to like, to show people different music, you know, to, to enlighten them and to, to grow their musical taste in that mm-hmm. way. Um, and so that's what I hope and plan to do. Um, so at the same time, it's the exact same philosophy as your styling. Yeah. Is that I'm going to do me. Yeah, you're right. going to come to me for me, uh-huh. or you can go and do everyone yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Like if I want to listen to trap, mm-hmm. Then I'll just go to every other DJ. But if 100%. I want to sit in vision at visions at six o'clock in the morning, and listen to Fella Cootie. All right. Obviously, we're gonna get you as a DJ. Exactly. Obviously, <laughs> it's exactly that. So, although I have played a lot of music that I don't like recently, um, nah, it's not gonna be something <laughs> that sticks. I was just testing the waters. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever think about writing a book? One hundred percent. Writing is everything to me. Writing is my first. Uh, my first love. Um, this is a, this is an interesting thing because a lot of people that I know that are in the industry are there to kind of they do one thing, which is let's say for you styling. Mm-hmm. Let's say for me, for example, film anything creative, right? It's there to for and you really come to become self aware and you're like actually you know what writing is my first love. Whereas mm-hmm. me, I'm like music is mm-hmm. my first love. I've got a friend who's a fashion designer but painting is his first love oh, wow. yeah. so it's like there's so many people who have this this real first love but then they do something else because they maybe don't think that they can excel initially mm-hmm. in that first field is that something that you kind of be like yeah with writing for me um i started writing really young i'm in school i was i was always quite quiet i was introverted you know i, I didn't speak to many people uh that was primary school um and then and I got to secondary school because I was one of the only black kids in the school. Everyone loved me, actually. We worked in the opposite way. Everyone loved me. Everyone wanted to be my friend. So I was really popular and I was in with the popular kids. Um, and so writing and, and reading a lot, it sort of dropped off because I wasn't around people who had the same interests. And mm. I guess when I was young, I was in the business of, of, of wanting to fit in. Um, and so it was something that I kind of just forgot about, really. I forgot about it for a long time. Um, and then even coming into this industry, I forgot about it for a long time because I don't know, writing and, 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 and literature isn't a conversation that you often have around the industry. And again, I didn't know many people who had those interests. Um, and then about three, four years ago, I had a lot happen in my life. You know, my, my brother passed away and things happened and I was just, I don't know, I just kind of returned to it. And I was just like, fuck, like, where have I been? Like, you know, this is, this is it. This is everything. Like, and it completely just made me fall back in love again when I started reading uh, and writing. Um, and yeah, it, it's just kind of reminded me of the purpose uh, and what I'm doing here. And I've always subconsciously known that even a lot of all the styling and all my experiences in this industry, I know they're for the book, you know, eventually. And yeah, that's... What do you think it is about the passing of your brother that made you pick up a pen again or start really trying to get it out of your head i think there's something about death that can really teach you how to live it did in my instance anyway and because i didn't really have time to grieve in in the way that i didn't have time to grieve because you know i went back to work and you know i live by myself and london is, is an expensive place um, I didn't really have the outlet to, I don't know, to really think about it. And, and maybe I was trying to run from it. So I just buried myself in, in books and the, the words were just everything I needed. You know, it was just, 
I don't know, so many things just started making sense at that point when my brother passed away. It's like, I was 25 and I just, I woke up with like a new brain. I literally was just saying different shit, like, and just tweeting stuff. I was like, oh, where did that come from? I really didn't know. And I honestly felt for a while like I was losing my mind. I was thinking, fuck, like what's happening? Like, um, and I had no clue. And I still don't really know. Like sometimes I say things and I'm like, I've never thought that before or said that, but it feels true, feels honest, you know? And sometimes I say it's my brother. Maybe it's my brother speaking through me. Maybe I'm channeling different things. I don't not believe in that kind of stuff, you know? I'm, I'm kooky enough to believe in that. Um, and although I don't know what it is, I just know that at that point, something clicked. Um, and Do you think that your heart broke and that was what you needed to yeah, find yeah. it? Yeah, I think maybe. And maybe I did lose my mind. And I it's, like when you f it's like when you've lost your phone and you call it. Yeah. So you know where it is. It's exactly. like your heart breaks and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I really have this. I here. think I needed to lose my mind in order to find my soul. I always say it's that. I definitely lost my mind, in fact. But it was beautiful. It was the most, it was the greatest time. I, I, I advise everyone to, to try and lose their mind at least <laughs> once. Honestly, like, and then certain things start to make sense. And like Nas Buckley has a song called Crazy. Crazy. And then I listened to that and I was like, like fuck like that's it you know he's been through this too he gets it like uh, there was so much music i heard from that point songs that i'd known them were my favorites and all of a sudden i was hearing them in different ways and i was just connecting to the world in a different way and it was amazing and as difficult as this journey can be sometimes and as isolating as it can feel like i feel so honored to be on it what do you say to someone who feels like they're losing their mind I would say, um, hold on and, and, and trust the process, you know, and, and sometimes you need to, and it can get worse, you know, um, but sometimes it needs to get worse in order for it to get better. And I think you can only know true happiness when you've known deep sadness, like um, you can only really experience anything in its, in its true glory once you've known, you know, the opposition. Um, and I don't personally think life is about happiness. I think that's, uh, an idea that can be quite toxic because I think if you think of life being solely for happiness, you're gonna think this life is very unfair and you're gonna feel very hard done by a lot. But if you try and think of this life as maybe something to do with wholeness, so experiencing emotions in their totality. Every, every spectrum. Every. So sadness, depression, <clears throat> anger, frustration, you know, they all have their place and they're all just as beneficial as happiness. Anger, for instance, has done many amazing things, you know, like if Malcolm X wasn't mad, maybe me and you wouldn't be sat in this room, do you know what I mean? Or like if Martin Luther King wasn't angry about some stuff, you know, like we black people wouldn't have had a certain um, liberation. Um, so anger definitely has its place. Um, and yeah, I would say that, you know, to, to try and feel the emotions, you know, and don't run from them. And, and the best thing that you can do is try to make art from them, you know? I kind of... I wanted to interject and say, I don't agree with you about life's not about happiness. Because when I think about happiness, I think of the American dream and that happiness represents monetary like wealth or mm. owning possessions and stuff. But now when you actually say it's about experience. Yeah. And but then if, if you get your happiness from experience, then yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you... I always think about death, obviously. Oh, me too. I've, every actually. day. <laughs> but um, someone asked me, in an interview if I was scared of death and I and I gave an answer and then when I left about a couple of days later I thought of the perfect answer for yeah. it um, and it was that I should have replied if you were running a marathon would you be scared to cross the finish line yeah and if the person who asked me the question would have said no I would have been like because 
as you've put you've put your all into that race yeah. you know that you couldn't put any more into that marathon mm-hmm. and you want to get it you want to get over the line mm-hmm. but if you knew that you could have done more you wouldn't ever want to cross that finish line because yeah. it's like you're going to have to live with i should have pushed a little bit harder mm-hmm. or i should have pushed so it's like give everything in the spectrum of anger if you're angry be angry mm-hmm. don't be passive about yeah, it yeah. be really fucking angry exactly. and try to change whatever it is so you're angry is, about i think if you're angry at the state of the the way the world is like that's a fucking <laughs> logical response like you should be fucking angry like i think any sensitive soul you know and sensitivity is a beautiful thing you know that means you feel everything you should be angry at the way things are and it's just how you channel that anger you know the emotion isn't the problem that's a logical response to a lot of the bullshit that we have to digest you know um so yeah no anger's a logical response what are you angry about right now you know right now one thing one thing what am i angry about straight off the tongue straight off the tongue don't think about it music what about music angers you um artists not being treated fairly the british audience not supporting artists in the same way that they do american artists and then complaining about it um they're over the underlying messages that permeate most of mainstream hip-hop that makes me angry um in terms of misogyny misogyny you know colorism even within our own race um capitalism you know consumerism uh it's just the sound yeah i just feel like how did hip-hop become the soundtrack to consumerism that doesn't make sense it's actually ironic yeah it's really ironic like and rappers are like posing with presidents what the hell like for me like rappers meant to be punk like in its supposed to be rebellion yes it's a rebellious genre you know and when i see rap going to the white house you know that's a scary thing to me who's who it's hard it's hard to blame the artists of course it is yeah so you have to really be mad at the infrastructure behind that 100 percent. and there is and and you do have to be mad at the infrastructure but then there is also artist integrity and there is taking responsibility you know there are too many artists who are not even aware of the terms and conditions to their contracts (laughs) way too many most of them are walking around in their contracts blind you know and then will wonder why they're royally screwed over and it gets to a point where I don't know how much we can blame the infrastructure because everyone knows the music industry is toxic. You know, that's well documented, you know. Um, and so I think to to sign to, to major labels sometimes without any prior knowledge or any want or willingness to try and understand, you know, and learn about the industry, read books, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and I know creative people, that's we're not necessarily set up in that way, you know, like... Sit there and read for a 300-page yeah, document. Yeah, of course, I get words that. words you don't have never exactly, even heard Exactly, and all these numbers and figures and percentages, <laughs> like, and of course, that makes me want to die as well, but it's important, you know? It's important if you really want to make a difference or if you really want to have longevity, and I don't think you can blame an infrastructure anymore. And, and I'm really pissed off at things like how our reaction to things like the Grammys and the Brit Awards and... You know, I think there's just a lot of complaining for me about, there's a lot of complaint about us not being recognized at things at the Brits. And I used to be like that as well. And I used to be like, why are we not on TV more? And why aren't we at the Brits? And why aren't we here? And why aren't we there? And I've had to change that. Do you know what I mean? I've had to change and shift the perspective because that was too hurtful. That was damaging. That was like being in an abusive relationship um, where 
he keeps telling you he doesn't want you and he keeps beating you, but you keep coming back and you keep wanting to be accepted. And I'm just like, no, fuck that. Like, if they don't want us at the Brits, then let's not go to the Brits, you know? Well, why don't we create something that we value just as much as the Brits, you know? Well, why don't we put our energy back into the MOBOs and, and, and value it, you know? Because I, I look at other communities because the Brits is not only not acknowledging black people, it's not acknowledging a lot of maybe Asian artists, you know? And, Same with and the Grammys. And that. And exactly. If you look at the population of um, Hispanic people- Yeah, of course. Against the nominations of Hispanic right. people, it's literally like, it makes the um, the black issue- Look tiny, I bet. Look, look so small. Yeah, I get. Like it's fucked. I get that. And I think it's time that we just take away the the power and the value that we put in these institutions and why put it there these are racist institutions these are institutions that are completely outdated and and run by people who are completely out of touch and i shouldn't see why we should want their validation do you not see the potential for change though you have to think that these oscars and the brit panels and shit these will actually i don't know when the brits were started but the Oscars, definitely, these are institutions that were started when segregation was still something that right. everybody woke up every morning and thought was acceptable. Exactly. So does it not become a generational thing where we're like, actually, instead of separating and kind of making it like a whatever, mm -hmm. like a, a separate thing to have like a, um, a black award show mm -hmm. specifically, do you not think that the generational game that in the long term we can make like a... a yeah, I mean, more, I, I don't really know I what the word is. Maybe, in a, yeah, maybe we could make it a bit more integrated. You know, in an ideal Bigger world, as we as we go forward, maybe those institutions could become a lot more integrated. Um, and I guess, yeah, maybe, um, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't say like, I don't know. I wouldn't say there's like, a lot of people that would argue that creating. Uh, their own thing is unnecessary like mm. I know I see people on Twitter all the time it's like the answer isn't to make our own award show because mm. we shouldn't have to no blah, I don't blah, get blah, that blah. why 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 not <laughs> I don't get that sorry personally. I'm not sure it for fixes me, anything in the long term for me though it's kind of like I don't know because even my whole my I don't know maybe this is wrong to say I don't know I haven't said this publicly maybe but like I just had to change my thoughts on racism a lot of it not even my thoughts on racism but my thing is like if some people want to be racist and some people don't want to acknowledge you know blatant talent they don't have to you don't actually have to because like yeah. I said we're all on this life journey here to do whatever <laughs> you see fit to do so if you don't want to acknowledge that person okay i just don't think you have to anymore but we have to be okay with that and i think we have to and that doesn't mean if we were to build our own shows or whatever that doesn't mean we don't acknowledge white people yeah of course yeah that just means that we do acknowledge what we do think is great if we don't think anyone else is doing it you know and that can still be inclusive or maybe this show maybe this new award show that whoever makes you know is inclusive and it isn't pitched as a black award show. It's just an, a fair award show. And it's just one that isn't run by dinosaurs or racist people. Do you know what I mean? It's just that. And that's what I'm thinking about, taking that power away from those types of people. Because, you know, there are enough of us, there are enough creative people, there are enough people with money to, to do something. I always said that I wouldn't talk about current affairs on this podcast because yeah. it's about something much bigger but i think fuck it we're on the, the subject of it i think that people need to understand as well that the brits aren't set up by no brits organization this is a promotional event mm -hmm. 
designed by record labels to give an art award to someone so they can sell more records. So be like, have you heard about that album? We want a Brit. Oh, yeah. I must check it out now. Right. So it's like, it, again, it comes back to the most evil fucking industry in the world, which is the, the record industry. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a losing battle. Yeah. It really is a losing battle. And maybe it's, it's true that the, the answer is to, oh, my arm's gone dead. <laughs> is to, um, is to set up something that's away from that. Yeah. And really is like a, a power exactly power to the people type oh, shit 100% man like we just have to get so punk on it like I loved the days when like I remember when I don't know maybe it was like the early 90s maybe late 80s when the Grammys weren't acknowledging certain artists they just you know all the African American like hip hop artists they just boycotted you know and yeah. boycott to me is one of the most strongest powerful um, tools you have how do you boycott something you're not already a part of no but I think maybe some people who were invited because <coughs> those who were invited they wouldn't go because their peers weren't you know and so they kind of stood together in unity uh, and it was just solidarity you know and they just knew that okay they're not gonna if they're not gonna invite you well then I'm not gonna go yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah I don't know there was something powerful in that you know there was something really powerful and I think we should maybe uh, look at more things like that than getting angry at institutions that were never really created for us. True. Yeah, I yeah. really hope that our generation gets a public enemy moment. Oh my God, me too. Like fight the power number <laughs> yeah. one in the charts or some oh shit. Oh my God. Like, you know what it's... The, okay, again, and this is why I can go back to music, why it can be so fucking annoying because... I know those artists. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know where they are in London. I know where they are in the UK. Like they exist. You know, I've worked with some of them. Yeah. Uh, Koji Radical being. Yeah, exactly. One of you them. know, um, a good example. And so, I think for for me to know that those artists exist and they're not getting put on. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's upsetting. And then a lot of what we do put on, I just don't. I don't get it personally. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't think anyone is. In the, I don't think there's many people saying anything that differs from each other. I think we're, a lot of us are pushing the same narrative and that's the same narrative that's also destructive to our overall image. How do we better support the people that are saying the right thing? Um, how do we better support? I think by, by not being so sheepish. Um, and so we need to promote and propel those artists and not only talk about, I don't know, Drake's new drop because everybody's talking about Drake's new drop. You know what I mean? Like, so like when someone like, I remember when Formation came out, Beyonce had Formation and that was a big video and everyone was talking about how black it was and unapologetic and its delivery. And then like maybe either a week before or a week after, UK artist Vivi Brown put out something, you know, called White Privilege. Really hard hitting video in your face, like a black British girl. I didn't hear anyone talk about this, that. This is literally the first I've ever heard of yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah. And it was, if you thought Beyonce's was <laughs> radical, or this was fucking like, I don't know, this was, this was some Black Panther stuff, some real Black Panther stuff. And I don't know, I just, yeah, we just have to support. We really, really have to support. Like, and um, we have to, I don't know, it, no man is an island, you know, and I just think that it takes a lot of us, you know, in order for one person to be successful, we need to be supporting the whole team, you know, and 
black British music isn't just grime, you know, there's soul, <laughs> you know, there are so many talented singer songwriters and that can really annoy me sometimes as well, actually, because there's so much talk about culture. I don't know, the word itself now is almost, it's I don't know, invalid. I don't know what it means. It's becoming a douchey term. And it's like so much talk about culture and youth culture and all of this kind of stuff. But when I look at it on paper, that youth culture is, is grime and normcore period do you know what i mean and there's not much else like in terms of what they're pushing and propelling like pushing this normcore kind of aesthetic which is i don't know borders on pretension because i don't know if it's about not fitting in i mean i don't know if it's not i don't really i don't know if i can trust that it's not about i don't know just wanting to be cool you know and then grime it's the only thing and i'm not saying i'm against grime like i think grime's a great genre but like there is so much more that exists in in, in british music that we just ignore um, like people like Quabs or Jacob Banks or Sam Henshaw or Labyrinth. Like the, the the Quabs thing, literally, I would love Quabs to come on this podcast because yeah. I want to have a conversation with him about how he was treated by his record label, about how they shelved him for years because he didn't have a hit, about when they were trying to do mm. put out his singles and they had him in like colorful clothes and all the video was looked like an apple video and he had girls dancing in the video yeah. as like, like an openly gay man yeah. like mm -hmm. it's just the way that we do with these other artists it's like could you imagine if a luther vandross or a marvin gay tried to come out now yeah. which could be quabs which could be sam yeah, which could yeah. be jacob we don't have the potential to have these fucking soul legends yeah. and these people that people listen back to in 60 years because they just get fucking I don't even know what the word is. They just get pushed out yeah, or exactly. try to get molded into I don't some... even, I don't know what's happening anymore. It's hard to not think there's a fucking agenda. Do you know what I mean? There it's is hard an to agenda. Not think, like, there's, there's, it's deliberate because these people are so talented. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's blatant, you know, it's not this, it's not mediocre in any way. And they're just being, I don't know, they're just, they're just getting a really bad deal, you know? And I really care about music a lot because I'm aware of music's influence, mm. you know, and, and how much you can directly see that being trickled down into people's minds at times, you know, the, the values represented in a lot of mainstream hip hop. I hear that when I speak to people, you know, in, in terms of the women that they, they are attracted to or in terms of the car that they want to drive or where they want a holiday or, or this, that and the other. Um, and I often think hip hop, like mainstream hip hop can just be a manual on how to lose your money. <laughs> like, had, yeah, literally how to give it back to the yeah, people yeah, that you're taking it from. Yeah, give it back to the man who doesn't... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just... Yeah, it's it's twisted. It's actually fucked when you think of it like that. No, it really is it's fucked. It's like you're going to collect... As a black person, you're going to collect all of this money which has come from white capitalism and yeah. then you're just going to go give it straight back to Enzo yeah. Ferrari or fucking <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of these guys these who are just These people who don't like, want you wearing it or driving it in the first the prime place. prime example is... Was it Hennessy that said yeah. that... Um, I think it was. Uh, something about like they don't want black people yeah, in music same with videos Escalade. and shit. Yeah, yeah. I think Escalade a few years back, Escalade was like a big car that was in hip hop videos and stuff and I think the way Escalade wanted to brand it was like this you know all American family car all American family yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then soccer like, mums and shit yeah exactly and black people start putting them in their videos and apparently their sales you know they decreased and stuff like that and it's like why give them the airtime fuck it like why give them the airtime yeah it just baffles me as well as that how Sam Smith is allowed to be called like this soul modern soul legend or yeah. whatever and he's allowed that room to grow into that soul mm -hmm. icon mm -hmm. and as an openly gay man as an openly gay man but then you have someone like quabs or you'll have someone like and they're the label's like oh no you can't do that you have to go and make 
some kind of pop soul like fucking hybrid half breed yeah. like rehash. I don't get like, it. I don't get it. I honestly, I mean, there's so it, much about this. When you talk about agenda, it's like okay, cool. So Sam's cool to do whatever he wants to do in terms of make soul music, but then these actual real. I'll say that Sam isn't, but these guys who also want to make soul music and happen to be black aren't allowed. They have to make yeah, no, come and go, poppy, wishy washy. It's, it's bullshit. Um, it's bullshit. But someone knows what they're doing. Um, but I just, I just hope that we can come together and like just wake up to what's happening and and support each other. We just have to buy <laughs> our music or go to the shows or promote these people. Promote them like you do your American rappers. You know, like do the same. Fantasize over them. Yeah, right. All right, well, the microphone cut out, so we're now we're back with a new soundtrack <laughs> and a new train of thought. Uh -huh. What do you want to see from artists today? I, what I want to see from the world is just everyone being honest, really. I guess just making honest, uh, making honest music, um, being savvy with business, um, understanding the business is so, so important. It, to the, I don't even understand how I have to say that. Um, yeah, and just making um, making conscious choices about what they do with their money and how I don't know how they can use their money and and their influence to to change things uh, for the better and for themselves for the better. Not in terms of just what they own and their status, but making their time in the business more pleasurable. You know, there's things that they can do to to influence that. Conversation that I like to have with people because the. the... The idea or the philosophies behind it always change person to person. Do you care about legacy or is legacy something that you think about? Legacy is just massive ego and I used to, I used to, legacy was something I really had to try hard to get over or I battled with a lot, you know. Um, and a legacy for me, um, no, because if I think about my legacy in the sense of, I don't know, for me to, to care about my image, even when I'm dead, <laughs> I, I don't know, there's something in that for me that's just a little bit too like, get the fuck over yourself. Um, and so all I'm here to do is try and live as honestly as I can, create the stuff that means something to me. Like if that's important after my death, great. If not, cool, like I don't care. I think if I start living for my legacy, then I'll start living untruthfully and i'll start making calculating moves so i go down in history as as something and, are you not calculated um conscious more so than calculated you know i make conscious decisions i try to make aware decisions about what i am doing but i don't know i wouldn't necessarily say calculated um just conscious do you think that you speak for a generation um, or that you represent a generation because with your um your twitter persona and the words that you say it just re it just resonates with a lot of people and everyone that i speak to um that knows you or knows of you will always say that yeah she always say she seems to tweet what i'm thinking or how i'm feeling mm. yeah and i think um social media is a an interesting place because you know we all come to social media in our in our, we all come to social media with our best foot forward. You know, we all come perfect. You know, and it's it's our place to 
be calculated with our representation and our image. And we all look at these things and we're thinking, oh, fuck, Kane's doing this or Chantel's doing that. And, oh, I feel like crap. And we're all feeding it and we all feel like crap. And then I just made the choice that I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest about how I feel uh, because there might be people looking at me and thinking that my life is great. And yeah. that's not the truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my life is a mess. Yes, I feeling like I'm getting closer to knowing who I am or definitely understanding what I'm not, but my life is messy. Like I battle with a whole heap of shit and I'm not going to pretend that it's perfect. Uh, and I think we all should, because when we stop pretending, I don't know, when you, when you pretend that your life is perfect and that everything is great, you almost attach a shame to feeling sad and you start to suppress it and not talk about it, you know, because you think everyone is so happy and maybe you start to feel ungrateful. Um, and so I just think it's important for me to publicly, uh, because I know there are people who tell me that they're inspired by me and they look up to me and I don't want to give them the wrong idea about what I am. Yeah, learn um, about what to aspire to. Yeah, like yeah, I'm on a journey. I don't know everything. I often feel like I don't know anything. I'm just, expressing what I feel as I feel it. I still regret probably each and every one of my tweets as soon as I do it. Um, but for me, if it feels scary, you know, especially cause I'm a writer, you know, essentially, and that's what I really would love to do one day, you know, on a- What's stopping you? Um, Self doubt, you know, the self doubt. I mean, so free yourself. Yeah, yeah. We talked earlier about freedom and someone, exactly. this is something that someone exactly, told me is like, you People need... are so complex and full of contradictions. So as much as I want to be free and I am free, I still battle with self-doubt every day. And that's just the reality of me and where I'm at at the moment. Um, but it's coming. It is coming. Um, and I do have plans for a book um, soon enough, actually. Um, not too long from now. Um, and I hope that's something. It's not going to be too dissimilar from how my Twitter reads, actually. Um, and it's just going to be short information. I hope that people can just get a little something from and it's me just being completely totally and honestly vulnerable you know some stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable like the stuff that's embarrassing to stuff that you know could be shameful but the whole point is that it helps people to know that they're not alone you know at all I don't think anything should be taboo there's so much that's taboo and it's really a massive issue to me you know sex is taboo and that I can't comprehend, you know. Is sex still taboo? Sex is still taboo. Well, in this country, I still think sex is very taboo. Like, I mean, I'm quite, uh, when it comes to things like sex, I'm very open and I'm very free in that way. So a conversation about sex is, is not out of the norm for me. But I can see when I still have the conversation with people, it can be a, you know, a whisper. You know what I mean? Because we're talking about that now. And I don't know. I just think that, <clears throat> I don't know. I think because because feminism is a conversation and there are lots to do with feminine you know there are lots of things happening um off the back of the feminist conversation things to do with catcalling rape all of these things that are maybe widening in the conversation it baffles me that we have to have these conversations oh my god like why do i have to have a conversation that tells someone that rape is bad fucking hell right it's like are you like where? Where yeah, did we no, go wrong? It's 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 crazy. Um, I really don't know where we went wrong. I we really... don't have to have these conversations about anything else. I don't have to sit around and have a group discussion or start a charity about yeah, murder. I know, but then, but maybe I think we have to have those conversations because when being dishonest a lot of us are being dishonest about whether sexism exists a lot of us are being dishonest about patriarchy and and the effects of patriarchy, and and so until we have people being honest and 
and willing to admit that yes, women are treated unfairly in society and uh, still not paid uh, equally in comparison to men until we're ready to admit those things, you know, and I don't think we'll ever not have the conversation. And, and sadly, there are too many people who would like to pretend that these issues to do with women don't exist. Um, we were we were somewhere. Why are we talking? You know, <laughs> I think I've lost my chain of thought. We were we were somewhere before. I don't know, but I like I like when you get lost. Yeah, I get lost. That happens a lot with me. Um, but yeah, I was saying with the Twitter. Yeah, I just wanted to be honest. I just really, really want to be honest and encourage. Ah, uh, hang on. There's an advert playing oh on the God. songs that we're actually listening Capitalism. to, and no one is here capitalizing <laughs> off my fucking podcast about giving me no money for it. So you press skip on that ad. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, we're not having any of that. <laughs> no, we are not having any of that. Um, okay, yeah. Give me my goddamn money. <laughs> um. So as I was saying, I think um the whole Twitter thing is just me just being honest, you know. I, I battle with a lot of stuff, you know. I've been through depression, still battle with depression all the time, my anxiety, you know, um, a whole heap of things. Um, and so, yeah, this is just me just being me and learning to be comfortable with my feelings. And if I can feel comfortable enough to put them out, you know, I can maybe get over that one, you know, be done with it. If you knew then what you know now, mm. would you have ever started? Uh, yeah, probably because I'm fast. <laughs> I probably would have started because I'm fast and I'm impulsive and I like a challenge. And although I have conflict every day about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and if I should be doing it, I think it's beyond me now. I've had to accept that it's, I'm not here because I want to be necessarily anymore. I'm here, I think just cause it's important to be. Uh, I'm here because I care um, about art, artists and expression. And I care about it in its, I hope anyway that I care about it in its most honest, you know, essence. <laughs> Um, and even just for people to see someone, even if my voice was never heard, but to just be able to look at a five foot dark skinned black woman who is not straight like me in this position and for other people to just see that just as a look is important, I think. And I never saw anyone that looked like me on TV or in magazines growing up. Um, and so I never thought that I could be anything like I am now. Um, but and I remember the first time I did see someone that looked like me, it was majorly important. Who was it? Uh, I think it might have been someone like Alec Weck, you know, supermodel. Um, or it could have been Naomi Campbell. It was, one, it was someone like that. Or Dion from Clueless. Dion from Clueless. Stacey Dash. Um, oh, Stacey ah. Dash. Oh, wow. Ah. Oh, touchy. <laughs> um, it's like she just stayed in that role. It's like <laughs> she just stayed as, as Dion and into the adult. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was seeing her, you know, obviously the character, not the uh, human. Seeing her character, I think, and, and she was positioned as someone who was attractive. Do you know what I mean? And she wasn't uh, a skin color that was too far from mine. I was like, wow, they, they think we're attractive, you know? And that did a lot for me, my self-esteem anyway. So yeah, I think it's beyond me now. It's not about me anymore. Um, so I think I would have stayed. I want you to set a challenge to someone. If anyone who's listening, just set them, just set a challenge, mm -hmm. anything. 
Anything that you think that might benefit them or change a way of thinking or change a way of writing mm. or change a way of styling, um, change a way of doing any kind of art, mm. just, to, just to give them a challenge now in the podcast, or, um, a challenge to do that might, you know, might change or help them see something in a new perspective. Um... I've never done this before. No, uh, this is a really good question. It was a challenging one. Um, you know, something I try to be in the habit and the practice of, and it doesn't always work, but when I remember, it always feels fucking amazing, is to to stay and live in the moment, as cliche and cheesy and spiritualist as that sounds. Um, yeah, no, it really, really does help because no matter what's going on, if you can be conscious enough to like, I don't know, so let's say... I don't know, you're in a crisis of some kind. And I think if you can just remember to just be still for a moment. In fact, I'm going to scrap everything I just said. All right. Scrap that, rewind, flip it and reverse it. And what I'm going to say is um, be still. I think I want everyone to try and be still. Take moments in the day. I was thinking about this. Like everyone has great thoughts in the shower. Everyone always, you know, everyone becomes a private philosopher in the shower and they have all this wisdom or practice all these arguments that they wish they could have with this person. But everyone gets really analytical in the shower. And I thought, why is it? What is it about the shower or the water that makes people do this? And I was thinking about people's days. You know, I spend a lot of time doing nothing, you know, consciously doing nothing though, you know solitude so I, i'll have a lot of time to be still not necessarily meditation even i guess it could be perceived that way but it's time where i'm not on my phone i'm not i don't have any distractions no music no nothing and i'm just still and i'm just sat down um and when i was thinking about the shower i thought that's why people think so much in the shower because it's the only time in in the day that you'll allow yourself to be still with no distractions because when you're on the bus or the train commuting to work you've normally got a newspaper or you've got your phone or you've got headphones you're talking to someone else you're on your computer we don't give ourselves enough time to be still so i want people to maybe practice being still without just being in the shower just taking times in their day five to ten minutes you can close your eyes and meditate if you want or not meditate but just silence um, I think you come a lot closer to yourself and who you are in solitude and in silence. Um, everything you need to know, everything, honestly, I really, truly believe is within you and, and you can attain it if you're quiet enough with yourself. Um, so, yeah, I'd say practice being still. What do you think when you look at stars? What do I think? I think fucking hell, like we're just this, we're just like this tiny rock floating in like an infinite void of nothingness, like, and nothing really matters. And that can seem really bleak. But, but really it's the most empowering yeah. thing ever. <laughs> ever. ever. It really is the most, and I say it to some people, and some people, yeah, say it, see, feel like it's really bleak, but to me it's the most liberating, like, it feels like you can breathe for the yeah, first time. Really it's can. like, oh shit, I'm actually free. It is. Like, it's a feeling that gives me goosebumps. Like, when I think about it, um, it's, 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 it can, that can move me to tears, you know. I'm, I'm moved to tears by the, the, the smallest of things anyway. I'm always almost crying, to be fair. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Just in a perpetual <laughs> yeah. state of, like, yeah. <laughs> lump in throat. Yeah, literally. Um, so, yeah, no... Um, that's what I think. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's a nice humbling thing to, to remind yourself sometimes that we are just a tiny rock in an infinite void of nothing. Um, 
and there could be so much out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't get my head around it. I think it's amazing. It's something I struggle <laughs> yeah. with all the time. Yeah, and that's like one of the the nicest things about going to Bournemouth is that I can see the stars. Oh and my can, god! Right. My mum lives on like on the cliff top. Oh, so right next incredible. to the beach. So I will walk down there and I will literally look up at the sky and I'll be like, Jesus. Earlier I was stressing about something and now I'm, I look up and I kind of laugh at myself and I'm like, you got bigger things to worry right? about, mate. Yeah. Fucking okay, your place and amongst all of this shit is far more 100%. important than whether this client is about to sign off on this commercial oh or not. God. Like, Yeah. So yeah, it just kind of just centers you, just grounds you, I think. Yeah, maybe people should practice that too. Looking at the stars more, or if you can in London, I don't know about that. But. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. You like, oh, you start to really feel something, and then it blinks red. Yeah, and it goes and lands and he exactly. throws somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest lesson you've ever learned? Um, the biggest lesson I've ever learned and still learning is acceptance and also detachment. Like, which can seem like they oppose each other. And maybe they do, but I've learned that um, attachment is the root of most suffering. Someone far greater than I said that. I can't remember who. Um, but yeah, suffering is the root of all attachment. And the older I get, I I can feel how that's true. You know, we suffer because we have we are attached to the idea about how things should be. You know, instead of just accepting what they are. Uh, and accepting what they are doesn't mean not trying to change or influence it, um, but it's not allowing it to have power over you, I think. So, and love as well. I mean, with I've learned that acceptance in its entirety, that's what love is. That's all it is. I don't believe in anything else when it comes to love apart from acceptance. So if your love doesn't come wholly with acceptance it's not love to me i don't believe in i don't i don't know about romantic love and all of that i'm a bit weird you know like i i don't know that's just a combination of chemicals and all kinds of stuff uh but the purest love i know is just acceptance so acceptance and detachment those two things learning how to navigate this uh, this earth with those ideas in mind have been my biggest lessons i struggle with love yeah it's a hard one isn't it <laughs> yeah especially when you the dictionary definition obviously i don't really run off dictionary definitions yeah. but you look at it it's an overwhelming um overwhelming affection yeah <laughs> like that's literally what it is it's just you really 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 like something yeah yeah like, yeah when you break it down to that and then when you attach um are they doing it again yeah they're doing it again they're doing this advert thing And when you attach all of the other stuff to it, like possession and oh, yeah. ownership yeah. and control. Oh my gosh. And someone who just makes you f not feel lonely yeah. and escape and all of those things. I just struggle with it. I'm like the, the least, I'm actually really romantic, but I'm the least romantic person yeah, at I'm the like same the time. Yeah, I'm like the least romantic well, person. It's just really crazy. Um, my poor guy. I want that. I yeah. want somebody that like uh, more of a, like a friendship yeah but with sexual stuff too as well yeah yeah, well, yeah. like <laughs> i want i do want that with yeah. someone but then at the same time it's like can't <laughs> yeah I, I struggle as well i mean and i say that as i'm in a relationship and she'll probably hear this and be like you can't um but <laughs> i just 
she knows anyway, we always talk about these things all the time, like, because I don't know, yeah, love is a concept. We always talk about it. And it's like, you know, sometimes I even talk about things like monogamy, like, and you know, is this- I believe in monogamy You though. do believe in monogamy. I believe that there is someone out there that makes you not see anyone else as, uh, as a sexual possibility. Yeah. Because I've been there for, okay, for yeah. a very short amount of time when I was with a girl that mm -hmm. I really loved. Mm -hmm. I didn't see like, this is when I was younger, so I was a lot more ignorant. Yeah. But I wasn't seeing women as sexual yeah. possibilities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was seeing them as just, I sound horrible, as just humans, humans yeah. but without without sexuality, if you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah. Not, no, yeah, now I, that's, it, the narrative of today makes mm -hmm. that sound a lot worse than that. But yeah. really, I was just, I wasn't looking at a girl and being like, I would love to like, yeah, yeah. have sex with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so no, I believe that it's, it's, I definitely believe that it's possible. I just, whether it's, it's our default setting. No, I don't necessarily believe in yeah. that, but I believe that it can work beautifully for some people, but I don't think that we should be as judgmental to people who choose to live outside um, the confines of monogamy. So what you're saying is you're in an open relationship? No, I'm not even saying <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Definitely not saying that. Um, but... I understand them, you yeah. know what I mean? And like, I wouldn't be scared to be in one. You know, I'm not in mm. one now. I would love to say that I wouldn't be scared. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but to see like someone that I really cared about go walk off with like another guy, I'd yeah. be like, Ugh. But you know what it is? It's because I am always trying to, and even I'm always trying to practice living without my ego. And that doesn't mean that I, I fully live in that. No, sometimes like I'm fully all up in the ego, but I try, you know, it's a practice, you know? And when I think about, when I think about relationships and I think about all the reasons as to why I wouldn't want my partner to be with someone else, a lot of it is about me yeah, and of not about them. Yeah, of course. And and for me, I can't know something and not try to do it. If I know a better way, even if it hurts or even if it's difficult, I'm going to attempt it, you know. And because I know it's rooted in my insecurities and I want to, obviously, if I, as I go through life, I want to try and eliminate as many insecurities as I can. So it would be something, yeah, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from, you know. I've had, I've had experiences before, you know, and they were, they were definitely testing, um, but they taught me a lot about myself and a lot about love, you know, as well, or romantic love. I don't think I'll ever be able to <laughs> battle those insecurities of like, what? Do I not give you enough? Like, oh, exactly. It's all those questions, but like, I would just have to deal with that myself and I'd have to expect that. And cause I love understanding my own mind and humans and emotions. Like if I felt like, am I not enough? Or is my sex shit? All, all those sort of things. Like I'd have to question it. I'd have yeah, to yeah, be yeah. like, but why? Okay, so blah, 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 blah. Okay, write a little something down. Like, I'd But then if that's the case, Obviously, just with a little bit of communication, then mm. that need for to, to want someone else because they can offer you something that this person doesn't, mm. can't that just be rectified by me going, oh, you don't give me this. Oh, so, yeah. So, give me it. Give me this, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess so too. And I, I, think, I think the thing about open relationships, uh, I think maybe the misconception is that they're just solely about people that you um, want to sleep with. Um, but I think an open relationship is... Um, a lot more literal than that. I think it's 
open in every sense of the word. So things that you would find uncomfortable even to speak to your partner about, you know, I think it's being open about those things. I think it's, I think it's being open in more ways than just sexually, you know, I think there's a lot of us that we even can hide from our partners sometimes. Things that have happened to us, you know. Yeah, of course. All of that kind of stuff. I think it's being, you know, quite open and transparent in, in that sense. Um, that's the side of it that I find uh, interesting more so than just the multiple partner thing. Yeah, I'm just thinking like a man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Open relationship to me is just like, oh, well, we get to fuck as many people as we want. Yeah. Like, oh. I mean, that's an element too. That is an element too. And, and like I said, not that I practice that. I'm in a relationship and we're not like that, but I understand it and I understand anyone's need to want to conquer that within themselves, especially if you've been someone who's been cheated on. Like... Uh, and I have, of course, like most probably people have in a relationship. Um, and don't think I have. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and I remember when I did get cheated on um, in a relationship and I remember being so upset and so angry and all of these things. Um, and I've been someone who's cheated in the past. And I know when I did it, it wasn't about it wasn't about my partner not being good enough. About you. Yeah, it was about me being yeah. insecure and me needing Listen, validation. I had a massive argument with one of my best friends mm. once because um, something happened with his girlfriend mm -hmm. and I tried to tell him that. And he said to me, so what, you wouldn't, if you was with someone for four years and they cheated on you, you wouldn't care. It's, for me, it's impossible for me to care because it doesn't reflect on me. It doesn't. It's not something that I haven't done. It's something that's wrong with yeah, that, exactly. with, with my partner because yeah. she doesn't feel that she's enough. So she has to seek validation in other people. Mm -hmm. Like, Exactly. It's nothing actually to do with you at all. Yeah. It's, and that might be the most ignorant way to look at it. It no, could be. No, it's not. It I don't be. think so. Yeah, but I don't think it is either. Yeah. And I've had to look at it that way. As someone who's been a victim of it and tried to victimize myself and, oh, why did this happen to me? I can't believe it. Uh, you know, she took me for granted or he took me for granted, whatever it, the case may be. Um, but no, it's not, you know, because when I'm real about it and when I did it, it was completely me just wanting to feel like I still had it or wanting to feel attractive yeah. or yeah, like yeah, 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 maybe yeah. it was fun. Maybe it was just as vain as it being fun, like and me not caring for the consequences or anyone else. Again, that's something to do with me and nothing to do with my partner. Um, and so it's reasons like that as to why, yeah, I understand people who trying to who want to overcome their their need to possess someone in that way. And fuck throwing yourself in emotional jail for, yeah. for a crime someone else committed. Exactly, no way, I'm not way, about man. that like, stuff. I'm not punishing myself because yeah. someone wants to be a piece of shit. Exactly that. That's the one. Yeah. Well, before I wrap it up, you've got someone who you can bounce your tweets off in real life. Yeah. If you if you feel like there's something that you, you're thinking, how come this or why this or what blah, 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 blah. If you can think of anything in your head right now, you just want to talk about. If there's anything else, if there's any, sorry, you're asking me if there's anything I'd like to talk about right now. Yeah. Anything. Um, well, maybe, I'm, I'm going to maybe check my Twitter because maybe that's, <laughs> that's a good indication of how I'm feeling. Uh, my little online diary. Uh, and that will kind of give me an indication as to where I've been at this week. Hmm. I don't know, I think, you know, like I said, acceptance has been something that is, I, I just been a central theme probably <laughs> throughout 2016 since it started. Um, 
and it's acceptance in all kinds of ways you know i used to feel like someone who was quite misunderstood um and i don't know i've just kind of got to this point now where i'm like you know what people don't actually need to understand me i barely understand myself i'm, I'm fighting to understand myself every day so you know it's it's pretty audacious for for all of us to wish to be understood when we don't understand ourselves or aren't even trying to understand ourselves uh, but what is important i think is to have those that are going to be around me to accept me totally as i am and that doesn't mean don't pull me up if i do something to hurt you or make you feel a certain way it doesn't mean that it just means that all of my quirks and weird bits and pieces you know that they're embraced and just because it's different to someone else doesn't make it wrong you know um not everyone's living by the same moral code not everyone has the same perspective or outlook on on life um so acceptance i think is just um i don't know it's just a it's a great thing it's my theme of the year so far learning to accept more because i used to be really angry um and just really angsty about everything um and it's just uh it's draining Really is. <laughs> it's really, really, really draining. When I get to the end of the week and I'm just so drained from yeah, just being angry at exactly. the world and everything about oh my it. God, but it's so like... easy to be as well. And I think I understand people who are going through that process. And I tweet for those people too, you know. Like, I think any sensitive soul would look at my tweets and, and know how I feel and know I battle. Like, and every day is a struggle for me. Even being in the job that I'm in, being in the industry, talking to certain people, like, and feeling completely opposite to them not having any point of you know um common ground you know yeah. even when i first met you i never knew that you were like this like i never knew that you'd be someone that like i could talk to like or i don't know i, mean, I guess i made the mistake of trying maybe tarring everyone with the same brush you know it's probably more my fault because i just whenever i talk to this is probably the same thing yeah yeah probably the exact same thing i wouldn't think that you might be someone that that I could talk to. Yeah, yeah. I think that just happens once once you get into the industry and you realize that you're anti-industry. It's yeah. like I'm gonna get to set. Yeah. I'm gonna get through my day. I'm gonna try not upset anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna try piss people off. I'm not uh -huh. gonna try I'm come across talk. as weird. Yep. I'm not gonna have any opinion. I'm yep. Yeah, I'm gonna smile. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm gonna do my <laughs> job and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go home and and wonder why fucking yeah. I can't find no friends. Exactly. Yeah. This, the cycle exactly one carries on. Ponder the, the wheel keeps the turning. Existence, you know, <laughs> life and death and you know. Um, yeah. Now I get it. Um. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just good. I'm, I'm happy that like more podcasts are coming up where people are having conversations. I'd say in the London creative scene in particular, we're really fucking lagging. Like in terms of like honest conversation about stuff, like away from artists and Drake and Meek Mill's beef. Like, I mean, actual conversation. Like, I don't think like London is really, is really quick on the uptake there. You know, I look at, American Twitter or black Twitter or this Twitter. There's so many segments of Twitter that London isn't a part of, um, you know, when it's in terms of conversation. And I'm liking that there are so many more outlets for people to talk because I think with artistry as well, I remember where to be an artist, you had to have a particular point of view. You know, you had to have, you know, something that you stood for, you know, something the USP. that- Yeah, something that, you represented and you felt strongly for, and now to be an artist, almost, you just have to look Make cool, a, dress yeah. cool. That's it. 
like and I really detest that idea and I resent it completely um and I think the real show of artists will come when they're given the opportunity to to talk or to to express something honestly like and and we see what they say um I don't know, it's not enough to just be cool, man. I wanna know people's ideas. Like, I wanna know what they're thinking, you know? What do you think about death? Like, how can you not think about death? Like- What do you think about death? Me, yeah. personally? Like, I don't know, I just think about it all the time. I'm never not thinking about it, really. <laughs> like, I'm just, it's fascinating. Like, I don't know, it's the one thing that we don't know, like- The one thing that we do not know. Like, the one thing, like, how it cannot pass someone's mind at least once a day, like, once they exactly like when you I'm, cross the road exactly like i'm the most existential despairing person in the world i think like but i'm always i'm always thinking about death because i, I don't know it's the unknown you know and it's just interesting it's fascinating what do you think happens what do i think happens i don't know like for some reason i don't i don't think it's completely over like, and that's not because I want to comfort myself with the idea of a heaven or hell, because I don't believe in that. Um, and the the thought of an afterlife isn't necessarily comfort to me. There is a, because I do think it'd be quite nice to just stop as well. <laughs> you know, like I think there's some people who don't actually want to keep coming back and having to do this. This is, this is, this is the thing. <laughs> yeah. What if this is where we stop? This. What if this is our respite? What if this is actually a privilege? Yeah. Let's let's say um, hypothetically, mm. when we die, our consciousness goes into a hurricane yeah. of a collective consciousness, and that's consistently bustling around and has to keep momentum, otherwise it will just disappear or whatever. And then you get sucked out to come to Earth or come to life and experience and just take some time out of that chaos. Yeah. What if this really is? Not the heaven, but is the privilege or is the other side? Oh, damn, well, and that's you die, <laughs> and you go somewhere else, and it's like, oh shit, I'm back in, I'm back in the chaos, I'm back in the real metropolis, yeah, yeah. where everything's instant, like, and then wow. we get sucked out to come and. What a, what a plot twist! <laughs> that'd be horrible. That would be horrible because you're gonna get to the end of your life, you're gonna get back into that collective consciousness and be like, oh my god. I had it all wrong. Exactly. Happiness? No, it's all about experience. Yeah. Like, I got. I won't talk about that yet. In, 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 in a few, show. in a few podcasts, <laughs> okay. when I've established my um, fan base, or, okay. not fan base, listeners, yes, and uh, and I can say what I want to say without people thinking that I'm crazy. Yeah, no, let's do that. Let's have me back on again, and we'll yeah, we'll yeah. talk about life and death. But basically, um, what I was gonna say is that if you look at how vast the Earth is and how so much incredible natural things are here—volcanoes, mm. jungles, but people, blah 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 blah. blah and if you think of a collective consciousness of is a consciousness and you're still consciously um taking stuff in and you're still thinking and stuff why are you here why are you on earth mm -hmm. why do you have senses mm -hmm. the difference between a consciousness and a human is that they have five senses and mm -hmm. that is that we can see we can hear we can taste we can touch other one see hear taste touch feel smell 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 sorry smell. taste touch Oh yeah, it smells. Yeah. So we—that's the difference. That's what separates a consciousness mm -hmm. and unconsciousness. Right? Mm -hmm. So, what do we do every day that utilizes those five senses? We don't. Mm -hmm. Most of the day, you. What can you remember? Something that you smelled today? Not at all. 
I can't really remember anything that I saw that I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. amazing. I can't, apart from Bill Withers and Fela Kuti, I can't yeah. think of anything that I heard mm. where I was like, that's incredible. And that makes today worth being conscious for. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just going to be such a fucking trip if you get to the end of your life and you haven't experienced all of these things and you haven't used those five senses as much and as aware yeah should have that's why we need to get out of the cities though like yeah, that's why real. it's the goal because i think when we're out of this which is highly unnatural to us you know uh, <coughs> i think when we're out we can make our best uses of our senses you know and we can experience all that i think everyone owes that to themselves everyone owes them. if you've had an experience of the city life which is one way to to navigate the earth and spend your time here but I think you definitely owe it to yourself to experience nature, you know, and, and real life in its essence. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's the best way to, to make use of, of our senses. And even with art as well. Mm. Imagine if you, a true art experience would be to experience everything in all five senses. Yeah. Like definitely. something that you see, you hear, you smell, you can touch it. Mm. And that's the shit that really shakes you to your core. Because you're like, oh fuck, this is... I'm really doing it right now. Yeah. So especially as if you're making music, that shit has to be worth hearing. Mm. That shit has to sound better than the sound of a volcano 100%. erupting or some shit. You're giving me some good ideas, actually. Some creative ideas. We'll, we'll come back and discuss them on another show, but you just inspired me. Thanks. I'm glad. Um, glad. Yeah. Okay. Mm. It's interesting. What do you... you? So you don't think... Do you think that we um, we die in its curtains? Or... No, 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 nah, no, 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 no. You don't think it's I think that we die and then the real carnage happens. Okay, really. Okay. This right now, what we're experiencing is our time to chill out respite. and wow. to experience as much as we can, mm. and is to feel as much as we can mm. and to think as less as we can. Mm -hmm. Because if we do really go into a collective consciousness, all you have is your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So think less, mm -hmm. feel more. Do more. Yeah. And just let... 100%. Let like, you... thinking less is so great. Like, I, I always say, like, I want to be less opinionated and feel more. I don't want to have opinions on a lot of things that I have opinions on, if I'm honest, because yeah. it means I'm invested yeah. and attached to... I, I don't want to have to think about fucking yeah. EU referendums. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. don't. I don't want to have to think about whether a fucking woman can walk home at night and yeah. get raped. Exactly. We have to, but we don't want to. Yeah. We want to fucking experience life in its wholeness and as pure as we can. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, leak is... <laughs> no, <laughs> not at Saturday all. night, for fuck's sake. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm sorry, man. It's always the, the bleak hour with nah, me. Trust me. I've got a two-hour coach journey in a minute. Oh, it's gonna man. Be, well, no, you've got some food for gonna, thought, It's going to happen anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Better to be documented and to be immortalized and with you here right now for people to come back. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming and having a chat with me, man. No, thank been, you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, and no, it means everything to me. Like, to me, life is just about, you know, connections, having genuine, honest connections with people. Um, that's it, man. That's it. It's everything. So thank you. So you can follow her infamous tweets at... Aisha underscore Akambi. That's Aisha underscore Akambi. That's in the description of the SoundCloud link anyway. If you like some of the stuff that we talk about... And make sure you hashtag S Y W B A A 
you at us both and you just start a conversation. Last week's conversation was great. Um, Phil's a very profound guy, which made people want to get involved in a conversation. Some of the conversations I've seen on my timeline, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, how the fuck have we started this? <laughs> like, we've really started like a, a genuine discussion about vulnerability, about oh, fear amazing. on the timeline. It's yeah, like we took yeah. a respite out of memes and and beef and oh, vulnerability is such shit. a beautiful conversation like such a it's such a good conversation yeah no it is so yeah make sure you interact man because that's how we uh progress and that's how we make this shit better um subscribe follow like comment share listen again keep refreshing the page so the mm. plays get up and it makes other people want to listen <laughs> but thanks for locking in another week done I will never, ever let you down. <laughs> <laughs> Safe. Peace.